to play first half. P.J. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of At The Hive Live, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. James and I are here for another week. This episode, we are going to have three burning questions for each other about the Charlotte Hornets. James and I are each going to throw three hot take inducing questions and we will each answer them and we'll elaborate, go through what that what they mean for the rest of the Hornets season. And in the second half of the show, this is probably the more exciting part than listening to me and James talk. Granted, uh, as much as we like to listen to ourselves, Cody Zeller is coming on at the Hive Live, the first ever Hornets player to be a guest on this show. We really thank him for coming on. We really appreciate his time. He's going to come in and talk about his annual sock drive, which he's been doing for many years now. Uh, the Cody Zeller has a organized a charity with Haynes and Roof Above, which donates socks to the homeless community in Charlotte, which fun fact you'll learn this in the interview is actually the most needed item in homeless shelters across america so he'll come talk about that he'll answer some hornets questions too it was a really great interview in the second half of the show it was very fun for the two of us to get to conduct it so we'll get right into it here but james how you been doing the last week i've been doing very good but i feel like you always ask me how i'm doing because you always didn't trade the pod so i'm, I'm going to turn it around on you at the start of this how are you doing, Chase? Tell oh, us how you're doing. Oh, God, I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, do, I'm doing okay, though. I actually – see, I think we're, we're both in the same boat here. I actually – I didn't get to watch the, the Hornets and Nets game uh, last Friday, which is actually unfortunate because Vernon Carey made his first start and put up 21-6. and six. I, didn't, I didn't get to see a moment of it. I've only watched the highlights. So, you know, Neither we're, did we're, I. We're, we're, I know. Exactly. <laughs> we're both in the dark. I know people are gonna be like, well, why the hell we listen to these guys? I didn't even watch the Vernon Carey game. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, no, I, th- I think like I am um, for the first time in literally about 12 months, I had a family thing, which is really nice to say um, because it's not often we've been able to do family things. So, you know, for one time this season, I put family first ahead of uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Um, won't happen again, obviously. This is a, it's typical. The one game I miss, like Vernon Carey starts and goes off for like 18 points. It couldn't just be like a normal game. It had to be like something something interesting. But um, how about you? What's your excuse, Chase? See, I'm doing the same thing. I'm, I'm visiting some family out of state right now. I'm, I'm in Rhode Island, so I, I don't have normal access to my, my League Pass account, but... I was thinking the same thing. Like we couldn't have missed like, you know, just Terry scores 25. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, some miles bridges goes out and scores like 18 to help him along or something. You know, miles put up 33 and nine, a career high. He made six threes. Vernon had 21 and six, like Terry had 27 too, at 27 and 10 assists. Like we, we missed a unique game. It's very, it's very unfortunate. It's a it's a game we're gonna to have to go back and watch, isn't it? Like I'm for I'm sure. gonna try and put in some time for this week. I've got a in between me starting my new job, I've got two weeks off the next coming week, so I'm gonna have I'm gonna have plenty of time to fill in the next two weeks because I can't really do much or go anywhere. So um, I'm definitely gonna put some time in because, like you say, Miles Bridges career high, Vernon Carey career high. Like it was, it looked like a fun game. It looked like a fun game. So I'm looking forward to watching that one. Yeah, I'll have to go back and watch it too because um, just reading the the reviews on Twitter, like after the game, I just went through and did a did a nice little scroll to see a, what the the general thoughts were of the Hornets fan base. But it seemed like 
you know, obviously Vernon, we, everybody knew when he was drafted that he could score at, from like the low block and interior, but it was the, like the defensive ability. That was the big question, but it seemed like everybody said he played pretty well at all. I mean, I, I believe everyone, I don't think everybody's lying. So uh, See, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch it as well. I saw, I saw some different tweets. I saw like, not a describe. He tweeted being like, yeah, Vernon Curry's defense is still a massive work in progress. I saw someone else tweet that he was still struggling. And then I saw someone else tweet, you know, that he did okay. So I'd like, I saw the, the in the highlight mix put together by NBA.com, he got that block on Blake Griffin, which, you know, yes. was, was nice. Um, but, you know, getting the block good with one or two blocks per game has never been Vernon's issue. It's been, you know, playing that gap defense coverage and the pick and roll and playing kind of, chicken with the guard a little bit like that's where he's always been struggling there were also a couple of times where durant just drove straight past him which it is kevin durant like let's let's not pretend like it's just any any old guy out there um you know he's anyone's gonna struggle to stay in front of kd he's just such a smooth athlete for someone his size with his length but um yeah it's gonna be interesting to kind of be able to watch the game and we're really gonna be able to focus in probably on Vern because we're not watching really the outcome of the game with the scoring because we already know it's more just gonna be right. Let's let's zero in on Vern and Miles and, and see how they played. Yes, yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Miles too because and I know you were just looking up his his uh, stat splits for the month of April, which I, I you can share if you would like because he has been playing super well lately. The career high uh, six threes made in a game. He was 13 of 18 with 33 points and nine rebounds, two assists, two steals and a block. Like he was playing defense too. It seems like from the box score, like he, he has been the guy that stepped up in the absence of like half of the team right now. Basically it wasn't, I mean, Terry obviously has been playing his to basically up to his usual ability as well, but it was miles that has really taken a step forward offensively and shouldered some of the scoring load. Do you, do you still have his uh, splits for April? Yeah. So for April, which is nine games, um, he's playing 35 minutes a night. So logging some pretty heavy minutes there. We've got, got to be aware, but he's at 19 points per game, seven rebounds, two assists, two turnovers, a block and a steal. And he's shooting 46% from three on just under seven attempts per game. So high, high volume as well, much higher volume than the previous few months. We might see getting to the line three times per game, which I know doesn't sound a lot, but for, for Miles Bridges, for someone who's a, it's athletic and with the speed he's got, you always kind of felt like he should get to the line more. And that's actually like double his uh, free throw attempt rate from earlier in the season. So been doing a much better job there as well and shooting 55% from the field. So he's been, he's really kind of increased his usage and he's actually done so efficiently, which is something that I think really looking forward to last year, you look at the counting stats are okay, but his true shooting percentage was always pretty poor. This this month with, with his three-point shooting, getting to the line, that's really helping bolster some of his numbers. So Miles has been been fantastic. And I, this is why I think you hear JB and Cupcheck and some of the, kind of the, the clips released by Hornets um, on the kind of behind the scene movies that they do, which are, which are ace. I definitely recommend checking them out just to get like a wind, window and how things work. They keep talking about how it's an opportunity and they're going to be learning so much from these last few games. Like, have they ever had the, as much Jalen McDaniels tape to like work with and, and help kind of figure out what he needs to work on next? Same with Miles Bridges. You've seen him in like a, a role player role for the first two, three months of the season. Now we're seeing him as like probably a second or third option. And sometimes when he's in the game, like a first option. So we're really getting to see a full arc of what the players can do. And, and I think this is going to really help everyone long-term, this, this opportunity right now. Yeah, this is definitely like as much as it 
sucks like in the current moment just having played that first like two-thirds of the season like really well overachieved you're the fourth seed in the east i think at the time that everybody went down so it sucks to have that all just come crashing down and over the course of like two weeks basically and now that you're back under 500 you're a playing team basically uh the return of your two best players are still not that near in sight but like long term this is definitely the best scenario you don't want it to come through injuries i guess but like getting to see like and even like like they got to put nate darling in a game when the minutes like were meaningful like he played early in the fourth quarter against the lakers and like it was got heckling lebron while he was trying to run make a three like that would never have happened if nobody was injured and like i think that the hornets staff is at least like hey at least we got to see you know because that's the same thing is probably going to happen with nick richards or grant riller or whoever like in the next couple of weeks if they have nobody playing like i think they they definitely are going to be thankful that they have these evaluation periods of player from the like really like deep end of bench players that they would not have otherwise have because we've seen that those those spots are important to the hornets like if next year if they didn't know going into next year like hey nate darling can play in the nba hey grant riller can play in the nba like they would have probably just kept them and given them like another chance but like now they know like exactly more yeah. more so what they have than they had did beforehand Especially with no G League as well, which yes. like normally that's where they would get that their bulk of film and their kind of uh, body of work, which which just hasn't been able to really get that to the same level down in the G League bubble. Um, but I mean, even in Brooklyn, your guy got a chance. First yeah, he scored his first bucket. Yeah, I know it was nice awesome. Little, nice corner three. So I mean, you're gonna have to watch the whole thing just for that. So I know I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be sitting there waiting for like an hour and a half, just in, in suspense, just waiting <laughs> for that Grant Riller corner three at the end. That was awesome. So, um, I was glad he got in there. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll move on to our your three burning questions uh, for each other, which which we got. So. Shouldn't take too long, I think, this section, but it's just kind of a good time to think to kind of take stock and and kind of pose some questions to each other. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up first, Chase. Um, first question. This isn't this was an interesting one. I've I've kind of had a little go doing this myself. Who do you think are the three most unlikely players to be on this roster next season? So I actually this one the two of them came to mind like really easily so I'll, I'll go with them first the first two are caleb martin and bismack biombo interesting okay. biz is just a free agent like a just unrestricted free agent they could just let him go obviously nothing caleb i believe has a either a team option or his guarantee has to be picked up for next season one of the two so he is someone they can get rid of without any salary cap implications along with biz and I mean, I don't, you know, you're not going to base this off of one game, especially given the fact that neither of us watched, but like you assume that Vernon is going to be on the team next year. So there's one center. Nick is also guaranteed for next year. So there's two centers, Uh, unless they're going to bring back four centers again, because obviously you're not being like, hey, Biz, you're the starting center when we're actually trying to compete for the playoffs next season. Uh, let's, let's really hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, if, if that I does, mean, then we're going to have to have a four or five hour at the Hive Live podcast and really hash yeah. things out over that one. If we strike out on Sean Holmes and just bring like Biz yeah. on like a two-year, $10 million deal. I oh mean, my God. <laughs> it's so painful. That would, yeah, that would be that would be very bad. I, I don't even know how I would react to that. But see, that that's, that's the thing, though, is like I think that they'll go for a guy like Rashawn Holmes 
or even bringing back like Cody Zeller or something rather than bringing biz back. And I don't think they're not going to have four centers on the roster again next year. Like, I think that was a, yeah. Like, I think if you got to go back and have Mitch like redo his entire off season, like, I think he probably would not have all four centers on the team right now. Like they, do you, do you think, do you think they'd bring back Cody ahead of biz on like a, because like Cody got a DNP, DMP through the night. Like he didn't even yeah. play when Kerry started. Biz, Biz was the backup. And it's Zeller really seems to not be in favor. Cody, I mean, we, we speak to Cody later. We, you know, we didn't speak to Cody about his role specifically, but he's he's not been getting as much playing time as of recently. Um, and I, I, I wonder, I guess the eyes of the front office are always different to the coach, but in the last 10 games, if you'd use that as just sample size, I'm guessing it'd be Biz. But then there was also the game where, where Biz didn't play as much as well. It, it, the Hornets center rotation is ever is as confusing as confounding as any position on the roster. I find. Yeah, it really, and it has been all all season too. It's been it's been a very like difficult position to peg down as to like what last year do as well because it was Billy Hunter yeah. Gomez was in the mix, wasn't he? Billy, Biz, Cody. Like, yes. Oh yeah. And at the end of the year, they did that thing where it's like one guy just doesn't play, but it's not like like they just rotated them out. Like it wasn't like yeah. it wasn't like oh Cody's playing bad he sits billy's playing bad he sits like they just did it kind of just like oh your turn your turn your turn just like one guy just sitting on the bench for the whole game for and just not playing at all for however long of a stretch but i mean yeah i I would say that biz and caleb are the first two most unlikely players to come back next year my third one is probably Devonte. as much as that like really really yeah, like, well, just because I don't think that they're going to get rid of any of their, like, end of bench players. Like, I don't think they're going to trade Nick or Vernon just because it's the set. Like, I don't think that they would. That, I feel like that's not a prudent management of your draft you, capital. You, you think they get rid of Devontae Graham and keep Brad Wanamaker? Oh, that's so – I literally completely forgot about that. So, no, okay, yes, that's true. I would say okay. Brad Wanamaker. Okay, so Thank that's – okay, All right, right. That, okay, that's completely <laughs> – I completely, I completely blanked on Brad Wanamaker. That's 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 so true. And I actually okay. feel bad because I wanted to – I was I meant to, like, write something about him being, like, he, he needs a little bit of credit for, like, how well he's been playing throughout this stretch. But then he went, like, one for 11 the other day or something like that, and I don't think he played overly well against Brooklyn either. So. No. My, I might have missed the the window for writing that piece, but uh, okay. So that all right, yeah, that's true. Uh, Wanamaker, Biz, and Caleb Martin uh, for the like end of bench guys. But if if we do, if we're gonna throw in like a rotation player, I think Devonte is the one that's like the least likely to come back just because of his salary figure. That's probably gonna be fairly high. Like we we uh, we assume Malik's is also gonna be kind of high. Uh, I wouldn't mm. put it past them to just sign both of them and then be like, this well, that, is like a high salary trade filler. Yeah, go ahead. Well, that, that's what we said earlier in the year, wasn't it? Like the right now our, our approach would be just sign both of them and figure it out. Like if it doesn't work having all those, you know, Lamelo, Rosier, Graham, Monk, you can trade one in season or at the draft next year. But like, don't just let the asset go for free. You go for nothing. Like the, the other one is if you do like a sign in trade swap with Devonte or, or Monk or something like that. But I think that's probably an unlikely, but not impossible. Yeah. Uh, you saw it with Kemba and Rosier. So, you know, this, the front office has done something like that, but um, wow. I'm, I'm shocked at that. I thought you were still all aboard the, uh, the Graham and Monk are coming back train, which, uh, which it sounds like you're, you're wavering. See, I personally, like if I were the GM, I would bring them both back. I just don't know. 
Like, especially given Devontae has kind of struggled lately. Like, he's still been really good as a playmaker. He just hasn't – like, he's made some really uncharacteristic bad decisions in, like, late in games, which is, like – I don't really know. I don't even know how – game, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> Atlanta. And uh, what was the other one? I think it might have been – Lakers? Yeah, yes yes that? it was the lakers because I'm, I'm imagining like the yellow jerseys so yes they what it was definitely them those back-to-back games that were like kind of close at the end but like i see i would bring him back i think the front office is looking at it like maybe this guy is for for what we need him to do specifically is better fit as like a starter to be like really effective last year uh and like would not be able to recreate the shooting like gravity that he has as a backup because it's harder to be consistent, not having that, like not having that over, like role where you're getting like 30 minutes a game. Cause obviously he's not going to get that if LaMelo is playing like 35 minutes. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, if there is a rotation player, that's the, the least likely it really hurts me to say this because I, I really like him. He's like one of my favorite players in the league. I would I would really like him to be on the Hornets for a long time, but I, I think it would probably be Devontae. But granted, it's not so much more unlikely than Malik. Like a, one of them two is, is not going to be on the Hornets either not beginning of next season, but by like the trade deadline of next season. I like that. Just, I just really? feel like, I just feel like that's, so if I you feel have like you've changed on this. I feel like we were, I, th- I thought this was one of the things we were strongly unified on. Like, yeah, bring them both back. And, and, and I just ask a, ask an innocent question and I stumble across that you seem to have stabbed me in the back. And now, I, I now, you want, now you're getting rid of one. I will see. I, it's just so hard because I like them a lot too. Like, and I really believe in them, like as, as NBA players, like to, to continue improving and like, just improve their standing in the league but it's just so hard like I I, see I the thing is I would bring them back at the beginning of next season for sure I do think you have to make a decision at some point between them three and Terry with the salary like some point but the thing is is I would if I see if I just got to make every decision I would trade Terry and like a future first for like a a, an step up in as like a wing or guard second option for Lamelo, but that's probably not going to happen given how well he has like endeared himself to the franchise, which is completely fine. Like yeah. if they don't want to trade him because it's like, Oh, we made a good free agent signing. He quote unquote wanted to come here, even though he tried to sign with the Knicks, but the Knicks wouldn't give him three years. So then he came to the Hornets, but Either way, like you got a free agent for the first time in a long time that wasn't just like a role player. He exceeded expectations in pretty much every way. And now he's a 20 point per game scorer and one of the best shooters in the league. Like I understand if they just feel uncomfortable with like the optics of trading that guy, like two, what, two, and a, two years into his contract before it even ends. But I think that would probably be the most prudent decision because you'd be able to upgrade that position easily. And then you also still have Devontae and Malik who are a bit younger and I think probably fit better with LaMelo. But yeah, to, to, to go back to the original question, three mo- now the three most unlikely players. Today, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the three most unlikely players are Wanamaker, Caleb, and Bismack for me, I think. I'd, I'd say Wanamaker, Biz. Well, I'd say Wanamaker, Caleb, actually. And then I'd say one of the one of the rookie bigs, Richards or Carey. I I just 
I just don't know if they'll come into the season with them both on the roster next year. I think they'll, like you say, I don't think they want to carry like four centers on the roster again. And I think they want to go upgrades. Yeah. And it wouldn't shock me if Biz comes back on like a one year vet min, like cinema to this year, but again, maybe on a bit less or something. So, um, okay. Oh, and that was, that was good. That's good to have some disagreement. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Makes for good discussion that way. Yeah. Uh, over to you. I'll let, let you go. Fire one over. All right. So for my number one burning question is either one of Nick Richards or Vernon Carey on the roster by the start of the 22, 23 season. So then not next season, but the season after that. Okay. So it's a, so it's a similar kind of question in a sense, but a, a season later, I think, I think one of them is off the roster. I don't think, I didn't think they ever drafted them both thinking, yeah, that's our starting and backup center for the next three years. I think it's they at the board and they're hoping one of them hits. Um, I think, you know, they had limited ways to, to they, they wanted to find, you know, a cheap backup big, which they, they could find in kind of Richards and it just cost a, a future second, which I still don't love that move, but you know, they decided to do it. Um the, look, I mean, it'd be, it would have been a much more interesting question, I think, this before the Brooklyn game of the night. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> because actually. now everyone's answer just now everyone's answer is just like, well, it's Vernon, like because he started an NBA game and was a perfectly respectable NBA player, and we've not seen that from Nick yet. Um, if you'd have asked me in the G League bubble who was the better player right now, I probably would have said Nick Richards. Me too. I thought he was better on both ends. Uh, he is like a full three years older, um, which is something not to forget about. I think Vernon is more skilled. You, you even heard JB said, say the other night when I asked him about kind of positions, he said that he thinks Vernon could play some four in the NBA, whereas Nick is strictly a five. And that's because Vernon's obviously got a bit more of a skill set uh, and he feels he can probably guard fours better, which is interesting because it's not always what everyone necessarily thinks. So I, I am going to say Vernon Kerry because that was their early second round pick. They selected him first in the draft. They obviously had him higher on their big board come draft time. You know, he's a lot younger. Every, the, the flashes that we've seen, he doesn't look so far behind Nick Richards. I say, I do think Nick was better in the bubble, but he wasn't miles away. The numbers are actually pretty pretty comparable. Uh, you know, Vernon wasn't the same rim protector. But I would, I would say Vernon um, would, would most likely be on, on the roster out of those two. I think, like I mentioned before in the last question, I, I think Nick could maybe get moved in a, in a wider trade uh, in the draft or free agency or something like that. I, th- I think I could see that happening if, if they don't see the development from him. Yeah, I could, I would also probably lean towards Vernon at this point. And I, I like you too, I, in the G league bubble, I would have leaned towards Nick just because, you know, this guy showed the ability to play some defense. That's what the Hornets need out of their center position. Yeah. You know, that, uh, that just, you know, that obviously makes sense just to plug him right in there. But I think I'd probably lean Vernon now too. Just because, yeah, I mean, he showed the ability to play at an NBA level. Nick, uh, I mean, not that he can't do that, but he has—he hasn't done that yet. He hasn't been given the opportunity to start a game and do that. But you know, there's probably a reason for that, like behind the scenes that we don't know about. Like Nick maybe wasn't as good in practice for the last month, and Vernon. Is like- it, it's interesting, Chase. If I'd have asked you before the Brooklyn game, if I told you one rookie is going to start, which rookie would you have picked? Uh, oh, Nick. I would have picked Nick. Probably. I would have picked Nick. Yeah. I, I thought Nick was ahead of Vern in like the pecking order of opportunity. Just from the flashes you've seen him blow out, Nick's the first one normally to come in. 
Nick normally looked like he's playing the five. You know, it just it just felt that way. When they sent him to the bubble, they they recalled Nick, didn't they? And they had mm-hmm. to keep him on the roster. So that's how it felt towards the start of the year. Uh, and I was I was surprised to see they went for Vernon. I, I think part of the reason might have been in the current Hornets, they need offense. They've just been like, like say, struggling to score over 100. And Vern is no doubt the better offensive player. So I, I, I still wonder if like they had all their guys back, you know, would it be Nick would be a better fit with that group. But with this group right now, with the, with the struggle they have scoring, Vernon's definitely going to be the better scorer. So, but it, it's, it's a tough one. You know, we still need to see a lot more from both of them. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the important part is I think we got to, you know, especially Mitch is definitely, I don't think that they're even close to making a decision on the two of them yet. I mean, I'm no. sure they, they've leaned one way or another, but if they had to, but they definitely want to see a little more of that. What's your, uh, what's your second one? So I want to know where you rank James Borrego and coach of the year so far. If you were to submit a ballot today, just today, not with what you think is going to happen, but what's happened so far this season, where do you rank JB and why? I would put him second. First, okay. first would be Monty Williams with the Phoenix Suns. And Interesting. the reasoning for that is because, A, I just think given the, the, like the Phoenix Suns are, I'm looking at it really quick right now, the second best team in the NBA. They have the, set, the, the only team that's better than them is the Jazz, who's number one out West. Um, and you can make the argument that Quinn Snyder should get it over Monty Williams. But I just think that, Given what the Suns were anticipated to do preseason, uh, I think Monty Williams has kind of cultivated an environment there that's going to turn what was a like afterthought franchise with, you know, Devin yeah. Booker just kind of would see two years ago, people would have just assumed that he was going to waste away his for the first eight years of his career in Phoenix. And then he would just, you know, be the next disgruntled star to go somewhere else because they were a bad, they were just a bad organization. But now they have like a culture. They're competitive. They play really, really hard. They have Chris Paul, who seems to just be like an automatic playoff berth, no matter what team he's on at this point. Uh, and and Monty Williams is, I think, a big reason for tying together all of their pieces that have fit together in, in different ways in different environments. Like Jay Crowder just came over from the Heat, and then there's Chris Paul that just came from – the Thunder, like Aiton and Booker, have been growing in Phoenix. Aiton has taken multiple leaps on both uh, both ends of the floor. Like, I just think Monty Williams probably has the best overall case when combining like preseason expectations and how the team has actually played, and then just the fact that they're the second best team in the NBA. But right behind him is Borrego because before these injuries, and I don't think the coaches are going to get like or he's not coaches don't get a ton of credit being like oh your team was injured so we're gonna you know give you a coach of the year vote or uh you know to to give you some credit for dealing with that the uh, in a like a correct fashion i don't think that's going to happen so before that this bad stretch happened i would probably have said borrego's like a lot closer because the hornets were the four seed in the east like completely blowing through all of their expectations there preseason win total was 26 they're already at 27 so like they're way better than anybody thought they would be uh the young players are developing really well like every single one of them so you could say good things about for this season that that's been a player development has been a hallmark of their staff since he got here so i would say that he's second for those reasons 
Uh, but if the Hornets were like slightly better, or honestly, it would more just be the other teams being worse. That would really be the only thing that could get, have him catch up because the Hornets being slightly better would probably just mean like LaMelo coming into the league at 19 and being like Luka Doncic level good, which is like just not something you can ask of a player to do. So I would say he's he's a comfortable second, but second is is good in coach of the year. That's fine. He doesn't need to win. If he's a finalist, that's that's yeah. a victory for Hornets fans. Yeah, Suns only three, three and a half games back from the Jazz. And Donovan Mitchell's now out for multiple weeks. So you it's not like impossible to think that the Suns could be the number one seed in the West, yeah. which would and be if, crazy. if they are, Monty Williams has to be coach of the year, right? I like I, I can't I can't see any yeah. way that he wouldn't get it. I think you made a really good point about JB. He'll get he'll get pinned, he'll get knocked down like for the votes because they've struggled down the stretch here. Because like the national guys who vote for this aren't gonna like dig into well how many what was the injury situation in Charlotte going down the stretch and who are they playing? But yeah, and they don't they don't actually know how important like Malik Monk is to the rotation no. either. Like you know what I mean? And yeah. I I actually have been more impressed with Borrego over the last few weeks than I have been previously. If I if I was ranking it, I would rank him higher now because they've had like they've lost like seventy percent of their scoring some nights, and they're like for in the fourth quarter in a competitive close game against like other NBA playoff teams, they've been doing so well being man down. They've had guys who've been buried on the bench who are now playing heavy minutes who are coming in and doing a good job. Now, they've not got wins, all right? They haven't. But his ability to keep that group connected and then to play hard and play well defensively, I've been more impressed with Borrego for this last couple of weeks than, than at probably at any point this year. So, But you're right. That's not going to get... He's not going to get any credit for that whatsoever from the national narrative. And, and people have just got to come to terms with that. Yeah, it would be really nice if that was like something that uh, would be factored into it. But yeah, like the media just doesn't watch the Hornets enough to have a full grasp on like how well he's been doing right now in the absence of all these players. You ready for your second question? Yeah, fire away. All right. One month from now or about one month, May 16th, is I believe is the last regular season game. Postseason is, is upon us. Are the Hornets a playoff team or a play in team? Mm. I think they're firmly a playing team. I think playoffs is is a thing of the past. I, th- I think it's gone. I think like the the Celtics are absolutely streaking. Um, the Heat have been sliding recently, but I, I, you know they've just got so much talent on that roster. I, I think they're going to be solid. I, I mean, I've looked at the the rest of the standings, the rest of the way, the rest of the schedule. Sorry, they've got seventeen games left. Okay. Now, I was looking at some timelines. I think Lamelo and Gordon are actually going to come back at around a similar sort of time. And that would maybe be for the second Detroit game, which then means that you get them back and the rest of the guys should be back before that with around eight games to go. So I think we'll have our full squad here for the last five to eight games of the season. Now, for the nine games before that, I think we're going to struggle. And it's not an easy ride either in terms of schedule either. So I'm looking at, I'm thinking we're going through like three and six is my prediction in the next nine without any of those guys. And then like, I think we can finish strong. I think we can really kind of at the end of the season when a lot of guys are kind of like resting and are feeling like, oh, we're tired after the playoffs. We're going to have some of our main guys who are going to be pretty fresh kind of coming back with a bit of a bounce in the step. So I think we can finish like a six and two. 
And if we finished in that stretch, we'd be nine and eight the rest of the season here. And that would leave us at straight 500 at the end of, end of the regular season, which is kind of where people thought we might be around the halfway mark. I remember when we did that prediction pod, uh, or the prediction piece and at the hive, a lot of people kind of picking that. So if, if we can get there, I think we can finish in like that eighth position, maybe the seventh, but I think the eighth looks most likely now kind of below Miami. But if we can finish ahead of uh, Indiana, that, that would be positive. That's where I'm thinking we're going to finish now. Most likely is eighth. See, okay. So I'm glad that you mentioned LaMelo and Gordon coming back in your answer, because my next question, I'm just going to roll right into that because it ties in perfectly is, do you think the Hornets will actually be at full strength by the time the postseason rolls around? So I would assume that you do think that both LaMelo and Gordon are like back 100%, like ready to go, like not playing I, their rehab games or whatever. By the- I do. I think okay. they'll be back, but I th- I don't think we're going to be full strength because there's guys we're putting through minute loads at the moment who have never done that before in the NBA. Yep. Like Jalen McDaniels is now playing like 35 minutes per night. Miles Bridges, we just mentioned before, is playing 36 minutes tonight. Terry Rozier, you've already seen, missed a game recently with some knee tendonitis. And my concern now is actually the guys we have. Because I think some of them are going to be breaking down in the next couple of weeks. You know, muscle injuries, you know, tendonitis, etc. I think that's the big thing I'm worried about, is how do we keep this current group healthy? Because JB's having to lean pretty heavily on some of them right now and, and really increase their usage. And they've been used to kind of doing, it's like first day of preseason when you've done nothing all summer and then you get thrown in the deep end, like you're absolutely killing the next day. Like that's what some of these guys, they've barely played all year and they've not had many practices and they're now logging heavy minutes. So I don't think we'll be at full strength, but I'm, I'm more actually concerned about some of the current guys getting rotation minutes and how they, what might happen to them over the next couple of weeks. That's a great point. I didn't think of that when I like was writing the question down to ask it to you, but, and like, you're right. Cause there's so many guys, it's so hard for your body to go from just kind of sitting and watching, like not really like, cause you're not practicing all that often or all that hard this year because it's a, such a strange odd pandemic season. And I mean, like PJ has had multiple ankle tweaks in the past month, whether he, you know, he's missing games now, but even before then, like what was, I don't remember what game it was, but he would, he rolled his ankle and then came back. Like he, he always has something going on with it, with either one of his ankles in the last like few months, it seems, but yeah, that that's, I hadn't thought of that when I asked it to you, but that's probably what I would go as well. Like I, if Gordon and LaMelo being back, wouldn't surprise me as much as like Gordon and LaMelo being back and nobody else being hurt at all. Like I, it, it, they can come back, but there's probably going to be somebody else that needs like some time off and, and Terry's knee tendonitis. Like that's a recurring thing. Like that's not, that's not going away before the end of the season. No, that might not go away before the end of his career. Like he might just, that might be something he, you know, he once a month, like he just takes a game off because his knee acts up or something. And like, that's totally fine. That's not like a, like a bad thing or something that would should hinder Terry's career or anything. Cause it's just one game. But uh, I mean, yeah, that, that will probably be the biggest factor in like whether or not they win the play in, which is, I mean, that's for every team too, but the Hornets especially just have no depth to make up. We're seeing right now, they have no depth to make up for injuries at all. So if they're not 100%, like, and everybody at their, like peak health going into the play-in, like that's it's going to be a pretty tough time. Well, I don't know if I agree. I, I think they do have some depth. 
I think you saw this team competing without Lamelo. You even saw this team compete at times without Gordon Hayward. What you can't do is compete when you've not got PJ Washington, Devontae Graham, like yeah, you know, that's a good point. Your guys, and I think that's the thing. I think this team can cope with missing a guy or two and being competitive. You just can't be missing, you know, three, four of your starters. Like no, and no NBA team can. There is, there's not a single NBA team that is yeah. going to be able to do that. So. That's true. But in, in a playoff setting, it does get a little harder. Sorry, I just think it gets harder to match up because, like, imagine if Hayward has to miss a game and they're playing the Celtics in the first round. Like, who is going to defend Tatum or Brown? Who is going to do that? Jalen McDaniels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I would be fine with that, too. <laughs> but it might not end uh, with, with a victory is the, is, is the only problem. Jalen McDaniels slander. Um, all right, let's let's move on to your last question. Um, I want you to imagine, right, playoff, playing tournament starting tomorrow. Hornets are in, right? Who's in the center rotation? What is the center rotation? And I, I, if you want to change who it is, depending on the opponent, I'll let you. But let's just say okay. for now, let's just say for now, it's like Miami, okay? Because we just seem to be a magnet towards playing Miami in a playoff environment. Let's say we're playing Miami. Who's your center rotation for the hornets oh well, you took that right out of my mouth because i was just gonna say it depends on the matchup but uh <laughs> if we're playing my if we're playing miami um so you got 48 minutes i would say bam bam's probably playing in a playoff series like 40 of them <laughs> so yeah you need i would say uh i think maybe just zeller 24 pj 24 and then give PJ the rest of his minutes at the four because I don't think Nick or Vernon can defend Bam. Like that's not a, that's Mm -hmm. no, like I don't think anybody would expect that of them at all. Like that's not an easy task for a rookie. Bam is a literal monster. I should ask, is this what you would do or is this what you think they would do? This is what I would do. What I think I, but although I think that this is also probably what they would do. What they will do is play Bismarck Biombo 48 minutes per night. (laughs) I was going to say they might throw Biz in for like 12 minutes, but I think Bam's speed and fluidity on the perimeter would probably put Biz out of the, out of the game fairly quickly uh, more, like more quickly than it would like Cody Zeller getting like pushed around inside. Cause it's not like that happens a lot, but uh, that's like, I would say that's his weakness. If you're going to give him one as a big man, it's just not being able to match up against the bigger, stronger, more aggressive centers. But yeah, I think it would just be like an even split. If I had to choose between Cody and PJ, cause you get the, the smaller, small ball like spacing the floor you know playmaking advantages of pj and then cody can play a more traditional center role but also being able to move around on the perimeter and keep up with bam because bam is just super fast and really like quick with his feet and has a very good first step uh, and ball handling ability for a center uh the hornets the only don't have anybody that can match up with that like they, they don't have a, a single guy that's going to defend Bam well for 48 minutes. Like not many teams do. Bam's a really good player, but I think that Cody and PJ just getting an even split is probably the best way to combat that. What about you? I, I think that that's like a very, it's a very interesting question. I just, I think Biz is getting in there somehow. I, I, I don't I th- Yeah, he is. He is for sure. Cause <laughs> we, we don't make the decisions. So Biz is, is most is definitely going to get in there at some point, but yeah, it's just a matter much, of how long. I mean, 
I was, I was looking back at, I was just looking what you're talking there. The Charlotte Hornets played Miami earlier in the season in that overtime win where Malik Monk just went like crazy from hit nine threes. In that game, Cody Zeller started and played 39 minutes. Yeah, okay? I was going to say, did Biz 19 play points, 12 rebounds, two blocks. Probably one of his best games of the season. Yeah, was that I game. definitely would say so. So I, I think, and like Charlotte played them pretty tough, Miami, in the regular season over the last couple of years. Um, so I think I'd agree with you. I'm, I'm, and we're not, I'm not just saying this because I've got, we've got Cody coming in the pod in like five minutes here. <laughs> like I, I would start Cody Zeller and I would have PJ backing him up. I think I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with you hundred percent. I think maybe I'd have Zeller playing a few more minutes than 24, like up to 30 or something. I'm like 18 minutes of PJ. And then like business, business is going to be ready. So like if, it's not working. You'll be able to make the adjustment in the playoff series and put Biz in. I think. I think that's how what I want to go. Biz would be like breaking. If Bam's just getting like offensive rebounds and bullying everyone inside, okay, we know Biz isn't going to get bullied. Like he, he's just not. He doesn't let that happen. He fails people before he yeah. lets that happen. So, but I think I'd, I'd stick with you. I'd, I'd have Cody starting at center, which I'd be interesting to see if we go back to that. You know, with, when we start getting some guys back healthy, it will be interesting to see it. But it's it's a tough question. Like we said earlier, the Hornets' center rotation is – it gives us good content because no one ever knows what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that's been – yeah, we've had something to talk about for that, like pretty much all season. And I want I actually, Nick Richards to start the next game. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> just, just get everybody talking. Yeah, then nobody will know what yeah. to think of Nick. It, it, that would actually be like one of the funniest things that, the, that James Borrego could do as just start Nick Richards in the next game, just be like, yeah, we're just, re- we're really just trying to see what we've got here right now. We're <laughs> just throwing them into the fire. That would be, I, I would at least, I would at least appreciate, I'm sure Nick would appreciate that too. Just getting out there, getting to get out there for a little bit. Cause he hasn't actually gotten to play. Do you think he'll get to play like a, like get an opportunity like Vernon got before the end of the year? I, I think he will. Yeah. I think he I, will too. I think Borrego is viewing, the, at the moment, like you said, he, we've got to see what we got out there. And yeah. I think you, you'd never say like winning isn't important right now, but I think, you know, Brago, Mitch have probably had a conversation being like, look, we can run biz out there for 32 minutes a night and we're still probably going to lose. So why not start then, you know, rest some of the vets again, get some of them healthy. You want to keep them healthy for late in the season because we're probably going to lose these games anyway with, with the guys we've got available. So let's see what we've got out there. And I, I really wouldn't surprise me if, I think after Vernon did so well, it would surprise me a little bit to do it this game because it'd be like, oh, Vernon, 19-6, go back to the bench. Like, that would surprise me. But I think in the next couple of games, I could definitely see Nick getting that kind of tokenistic start, um, give him that little bit of reward for kind of the hard work that he's been putting in. I could see it. Yeah, I did, exactly. Like, he's, that that's basically what I was thinking too, is like the hard work that he's been putting in all season. Like, he hasn't really played much at all. Like, they're not going to give him a role like on the team because they are still trying to compete for the playoffs, but just going to like the, we've got to see what we have. Like, I, I think they they'll give him an opportunity like they did with Vernon. Like, I don't think that they were like, Hey Vernon, we really like the matchup with you against Deandre Jordan. Like we think you're going to go out there and <laughs> score 21 points tonight. Like no. I think they were just like, like Borrego said in the, in the pregame interview, he's like, I didn't even tell Vernon he was starting until like right before the game. Cause I didn't want him to like be thinking about it all day. So like, I think that they were just being like, yeah, we're just gonna, we'll, we'll see what he's got. We'll put him out there. And I, he, he had it like a, all credit to Vernon. He took full advantage of the opportunity that was given to him. And it's really, really cool to see like a young 
19 year old big man that was drafted in the second round just grabbed the bull by the horns like that and yeah. put up a really really good game in his first start like there i'm sure yeah. that we didn't watch it so i'm sure that there were ways for him to improve he made a you know a mistake here or there but i mean just you can't even without watching a 21 and six in your first start like that's a that's a good game yeah and we're both watching the portland game tonight because for the we're recording on a sunday this week and um i'm excited to see uh Vern or whoever else gets in tonight I, I'm, I'm really excited to see that so we'll you know we'll have some we'll have some thoughts on next week's pod about that yeah we're watching Vern against uh his future self and his canter the the, <laughs> yeah. the, the prime, prime version of Vernon Carey is uh, I think is just what looks like what Ennis canter is right now but yeah we're gonna wrap this up this first half of the show we'll roll into our very exciting a very awesome second half interview with Cody Zeller but before we round into the ad break, I just wanted to talk to you guys about Cody's sock drive. Um, he was kind enough to speak with James and I about his annual sock drive this year. And anyone can donate to that sock or sock drive, which it is online with a monetary donation, or you can purchase socks via the Amazon wishlist for Roof Above, which is the organization that Cody collaborates with to put on this fundraiser and help out the Charlotte community. Uh, that this is actually easier for international fans. This is how James made his donation. Uh, we played a game of trivia with Cody. We each had the. We ended up forking over some cash because he just completely destroyed us in trivia. Yeah, we got to make the questions harder next yeah, time. Yeah, he 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 rolled right through us. There there was yeah. no. He, there was he was so way we made it too easy for him. But definitely glad to be able to make the donation as well. But. I mean, so at the Hive Live has made their donations. Uh, the listeners can, if they would feel inclined. You're helping out a great cause. Cody's been doing this since 2013. Uh, just you'll hear it a moment, but just talking to him about it is clearly something he like really cares about and enjoys doing every year. So if you guys like to donate to that, you can go online, just search Cody Zeller Sock Drive. Uh, um, there are multiple different ways to find it through Hornets.com or NBA affiliated websites. Uh, and then if you are an international fan, you can purchase an actual pair of socks via the roof above Amazon wishlist. And that pair of socks will get sent to the a, a, a homeless shelter in Charlotte and they will be put to good use and it will go towards a great cause. So thank you guys for listening and we will see you in the second half for our interview with Cody Zeller. And welcome back to At The Hive Live. For our second part, we are joined, joined by Hornets Center, Cody Zeller, our very special guest and the first Charlotte Hornets to appear on the At The Hive Live podcast. Cody, thank you so much for coming on. I'm your first, I'm your first guest. It's such an honor. This, it is an honor. You are first player. You're going to have to speak to the guys, Cody. Get them to come on. Yeah, I would, I would love to. <laughs> Uh, as in the first part, we're joined by Chase as well, who's here. Um, we're, we're recording this section a little bit different to our time. So if there's a bit of a difference in audio, it's just Chase is dialing in from his lunch break because he is ultimately committed to the podcast. <laughs> Nothing comes before I have to have live. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right, Cody. So the reason we wanted to have you on today was because we saw that you recently launched your annual sock drive for this year. Um, and just wanted to kind of have you come on and talk a little bit about that really. So uh, Chase, I'll kind of pass on to you for kind of our, our opening question, really. 
Yeah. So thank you again for coming on, Cody. It's really great to get to talk to you today. But uh, we saw online that you've been doing this sock drive since 2013. Uh, When you were like coming into the league, was giving back to the community uh, and like helping people out using that platform that you have now as an NBA player, like something you focused on and like set out to do right away or like knew that you were going to do coming in? Yeah, I definitely wanted to kind of use my platform and uh, help out, you know, here in Charlotte. And uh, when I first got here, I was, I just kind of asked around of uh, things that might be uh, things of need. And I think people are, are always kind of surprised that, the most needed article of clothing in the homeless community is socks. And so um, the Hornets kind of teamed up with, uh, with Haynes and came up with a sock drive. And uh, we've raised uh, thousands and thousands of pairs of socks now, uh, eight years later. So it's really fun. It's something that I look forward to. And even, uh, you know, the fans have kind of gotten behind and they continue to look forward to it each year as well. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely something I, I wanted to, to, uh, you know, kind of give back when I first got drafted and it means even more now that I love Charlotte and it's kind of become home for me. So uh, it's becoming more special over the year. That's awesome. That's great, um, man. Yeah. You, you mentioned there about um, obviously kind of the reason why socks, because I was thinking going into this, I was like of all the things that you could like do charity for, all the things you could do, like socks seems a really strange thing, but I, I had no idea that it's like the most need night of clothing. That's That's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was, I was just surprised when I started asking around, but uh, it's cool. Usually, you know, obviously things are a little different with COVID, but usually I'm able to deliver the socks um, and get to meet a, meet a lot of people and, and to see the, the line out and around the building uh, for people that just need a pair of socks is uh, it's pretty cool and you really see the how big the need is. Yeah, it must be great, like, looking out and then seeing the, like, the impact and, like, all the people that are waiting in line, but you know, like you said, that's not going to happen this year. So what, like, like, how are you doing it differently with all the like COVID restrictions that would have to be in place? Yeah. So this year we're just doing it virtually. So, um, so fans and whoever wants to do, uh, to donate money can donate and, uh, we're still gonna, you know, Haynes is partnering with us as well. So, uh, Haynes is going to match any donation and, um, so we'll still raise a lot of pairs of socks and, uh, raise a little bit of money as well. So, uh, we, we had to get a little bit creative with it, but um, we yes, we're still going to make it work. Awesome. And I saw this year that the socks are being donated to the Roof Above charity, which uh, which tackles homelessness in Charlotte. Just kind of, there's so many great charitable causes. What made you select Roof Above this year? Yeah, Roof Above is just a perfect um, partner for us with, with what we were looking for. They help uh, not only um, active homeless, but but also uh, provide meals for them, like I said, clothing. And uh, so, yeah, it was a perfect fit when we started looking around for someone that uh, could help us with this. And, and uh, like I said, once again, Haynes has, has stepped up and they've been a huge uh, help as well. So uh, it was really a group effort. Awesome. And I noticed one kind of delving into it, you've obviously got your Like a Child Foundation, which you started recently. Just tell us a little bit kind of why did you start that up and, and how's that going so far? Yeah, it's Like a Child has been a lot of fun. It was uh, really last summer uh, when COVID hit, I had a little extra time on my hands. And um, once again, I wanted to give back. And kids have always kind of had a, a close, part, close um, point in my heart just because... Uh, 
you know, people describe me as being like a, like a kid. I, I enjoy life. I like animated movies and having a good time. And, um, so I, I enjoy helping out like the Hemby Children's Hospital here in Charlotte, uh, the Children's Hospital back in Indianapolis. Um, and then, uh, so, so anyway, we started like a child foundation to help kids in a variety of ways. And through that, we've, we're kind of looking around for some way to, um, you know, we, we didn't want to do just a regular, I feel like everyone does like a gala or a golf outing. And so we we're looking for some way creatively where we could, you know, kind of, uh, draw awareness to some of the good things that charities were doing to help kids. We came up with the, the kicks for kids campaign. And so as a part of that, I, I pick a charity that helps kids and I customize a pair of shoes. And, uh, so those have, have been really, really cool. Customize a pair of shoes. We get, make a donation through like a child. And then once again, just raise awareness with, you know, wearing these cool custom shoes on the court. Um, on TV, everything else. So it's really become a, a cool little campaign. So we've helped Children's Hospital here in here in Charlotte in Indy, uh, TAPS, which helps uh, kids and families and fallen soldiers. Uh, we just did one for Make a Wish, uh, which obviously does some remarkable things for kids. So uh, that's just a few. We, we're going to do five this year, uh, five pairs of custom shoes, and um, so it's, it's been really fun. It's it makes it it puts things into perspective that there's a lot more. Um, to life that was just happening on the basketball court. So uh, it's been really fulfilling work. Yeah, I, that, I love that, man. It's so it, children are quite quite literally the the future. So anytime anytime that people put them, you know, first, I get is is just very great to see. But I I love the Kicks for Kids program. That's probably one of my favorite like ways that a athlete has given back that I've since I, that I've ever seen. Which of those uh, kicks that you've made so far are your favorite? Do you have one? Uh, there's been some really cool ones. We've, we've tried to get creative with each one, so they aren't uh, just all the same. Um, one of them was with uh, last year we did it with Hemby Children's Hospital here in Charlotte. And um, there's every once in a while a kid will come up and ask me for my autograph. They'll have me you know, sign a pair of shoes or whatever. And, uh, in this case, I, I really admire how, uh, how joyful and how optimistic the kids are when I visit the children's hospital. And so I kind of wanted to flip the script. And so I, I went to the church hospital and asked them for their autograph. And so it was filled with really filled with really cool colors. We had them sign it in different colors, Sharpies and stuff. So, um, so yeah, it was kind of cool to see, you know, six, seven, eight year olds trying to sign their autograph on a pair of. <laughs> 16 uh shoes but they turned out really really cool and it was really fun to wear them on the court yeah you could probably fit a lot of signatures on those shoes i bet yeah we we filled them up too there was uh there was a lot of, <laughs> lot of signatures on them so it was really really cool i we do you have any sneak previews of any uh any of the ones that are being designed for this year yet uh we we've done uh we've done three so far um uh, like i said the last one was make a wish which is really cool and uh, the next one is going to be for uh, for the Roland Hornets, and so it's the wheelchair basketball team. Yes, um, here in here in Charlotte. So I've done stuff with them before, and uh, it's, it's pretty cool. As we were as we were kind of collecting information from them, they had a picture from uh, from my first year. They were the Roland Bobcats at the time, and uh, <laughs> they had a, I had taken a picture with one of the one of the kids on the team. And he was, he's eight at the time. And obviously eight years later, he's 16 now. 
and he's the two-time national player of the year in the wow. basketball team. So uh, it was really kind of cool to reconnect with them. But anyway, so the, um, the pair of shoes are going to help pay for uh, them to go to nationals uh, this year. So, yeah, it's really, is it, really cool. Is it Mike Godsey you link with with them? Uh, I can't remember the name. I think, I think you might be right though. Yeah. Mike, Mike is like one of the greatest guys. Like when I was a a kid in England supporting the Charlotte Hornets, Mike Godsey used to take like the freebie game giveaways and post them to me in England. And like, I've never met the guy. Oh, that's awesome. Like he was just, he's just like the nicest guy. So I'm I'm so happy that you're doing stuff for them. That's, that's cool to hear. Um, we're going to move on to a little bit of a surprise quiz, Cody. So we're going to do a little bit of a quiz in your career. And for every question that you get right, me and Chase are going to donate five pounds to your sock drive. Okay. So oh, wow. I don't know how much, I don't know how much five pounds is, but it sounds like a lot. <laughs> well, sorry, five, $5, five pounds. Um, there's only going to be four questions, so it's, it's not going to okay. be anything too strenuous. Um, okay. but, but it is going to be about a few things. So you, you got to help yourself out now. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. so, so Chase, you want to start us off? All right. So what was your career high in the NBA in points and who was it against? Oh, wow. I, you know, I should know this. I think it, I can't remember if it was 27 or 28. I think I'm going to say 28 against the Warriors. Bam, you nailed it. That was, yeah, that was pretty sure good. Yeah, 28 against Golden State Warriors. That was a fun night. Nice. I, I bet it was. Right. Yeah. That's five quid. That's five dollars from me and you, Chase, right? Five, five, pounds. five, five pounds. pounds. Five pounds. Five pounds. <laughs> yeah, we got to get the conversion rate. Um, in 2017, you visited Charlotte's Novant Health Hemby Children's Hospital. But which superhero were you dressed in? A little bit of a hint. Frank was dressed as Batman. Malik is Flash and Dwayne Bacon is Green Lantern. Can you remember who you addressed as? Uh, see, this is a trigger question than you might think because I dress up every year. So uh, I was Superman one year and I was Spider-Man one year. So I'm between those two. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Superman. Bam! That's two out of two. Well done. Yes, ten pounds. Good work. Ten pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, so number three. I don't know if you're familiar with, like, the nickname section on Basketball Reference, but it is it is quite a place to be if you scroll through and look at some of the, oh, wow. the nicknames they have for everybody. Uh, if Do you know if you are listed as the Big Handsome or Godzeller on Basketball Reference? Oh, wow. Probably, probably Big Handsome. I'm not sure, though. Yep, that's it. That's Big Handsome. Yeah, you're right. rolling right now, man. Yeah, that was, that was an old uh, college nickname. I I don't, I don't necessarily claim it, but uh, yeah, <laughs> back in the college days. That, that's got to be one of the better NBA nicknames, too. Even, yeah. even if you <laughs> can't claim that one. That, yeah. I definitely my, I would say my, that's one of the better. Teammates, my teammates just found out about that like a year ago. I, I kept it a secret for the past like, you know, five or six years. But, uh, somehow one of them pulled it up. So, yeah, they just discovered the big hands. I heard about it a little bit. <laughs> okay, number four for the, for the clean sweep. Which of your former Bobcats teammates had the best haircut? And there's a hint here. He helped you film a sock drive promo video in 2013. Yeah, I would be, he would be upset with me if I missed this answer. I'm going to say Josh McRoberts. That's four <laughs> out of four. Bam, you got it. There it is. Good old Muck Bob. Great hair. Pounds. That's, that's it. Bob. 20 pounds. <laughs> uh, um, I'm still saying that. 
I still stay in touch with Josh. He's a great vet. That's awesome. I, I was, in fact, I was going, one of the questions we were going to ask later was like, who are some of your like your past favorite teammates, and who do you kind of keep in touch with? You, you mentioned Josh. There was there anyone else? Yeah, jo- Josh and I still stay in touch. Uh, I'm still really close with Marvin Williams. Yeah. Um, he was at the game tonight, for, wasn't he? Yeah, we played together for six years and uh, spent a lot of time on the court together. And so we still we still catch up and get dinner. And he still lives here in Charlotte, so it's fun that. Uh, we're still able to stay connected. So, uh, but yeah, I've, I've been fortunate to play with a lot of a lot of good teammates over the years. I'm I'm convinced Marvin's going to be a coach or a GM or, or work in the NBA one day. He's just like too smart and too good of a guy not to. So that that's yeah, awesome. He's still in touch. Yeah. yeah, he's he's the best guy. He's just a, a wonderful human being, regardless of how how good his basketball career went. He's just a good person. That's cool. All right, we're, uh, we're going to kind of just move on to finish now. You only probably got a couple of minutes, I'm guessing, just on some kind of Hornets questions just for the listeners uh, to end the show, if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. Chase, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, sure. So, you know, with, with how, like, all the injuries you guys have had lately, just even over the last couple of weeks, it's always important to stay ready. But even especially now, everybody on the bench has to be prepared for any sort of situation because, you know, uh, the slightest bit of foul trouble or a rolled ankle could – put you in a role that you haven't played yet this season but what are some things that go into like actually staying ready and being prepared for any role that you might have to play on a given night yeah it's uh it's a tough part of the nba um throughout the course of a you know 72 this season or 82 games uh season you're gonna have to have contributions from different people really all 15 guys in the roster just because like you said you know any given night might be a sprained ankle or whatever it is um foul trouble that you might have to other, have other guys step up. So our coaching staff does a good job of uh, kind of getting extra work in with the um, younger guys or guys that might not be playing as much um, just to stay ready. And I think our guys have done well at that. I think you're kind of seeing uh, Jalen McDaniels has played really well, um, you know, over the past week or two, just because uh, he's put in all the work, uh, you know, not necessarily in the games, but, um, practice days, off days, is coming in and getting extra work in. Uh, so he stayed ready. And then, um, you know, even, you know, the Martin twins minutes have kind of fluctuated um, throughout, but now they're getting bigger, bigger minutes. So I think it's uh, a little bit to do with the, the coaching staff kind of put guys in good situations, but also we have a pretty good um, group of guys that like to work. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, it's definitely key for our for our team moving forward. And and Cody, you mentioned about the coaching staff there. How is the like day to day kind of player development system different under Borrego? Uh, like from from your previous coaches you've worked with, how how's it different? Uh, like I said, he's he's good about getting extra extra work in for the guys that aren't playing as many minutes. So uh, you know, sometimes like even today we had. Uh, we didn't have a, an organized team practice. We still had uh, five or six guys that went in just to play two-on-two two or get individual work in. Um, so, like I said, that's that's just as important as any. So, uh, Coach Brego has been good for that. So, yeah, so what are some of the things – that have like gone into this team molding together so well this season. And even during such an odd year, like the Hornets have just constantly been resilient, persevered, came back from 
large deficits. You know, it wasn't until last week or early this week that you guys had lost a game when leading in the last five minutes. Uh, like, and the organization has gone through so many or so transition periods since you've been drafted, but this is one of the best teams. But what are some of the things that have gone into you guys being one of the best Hornets teams in recent memory? Yeah, like you said, it's it's been tough because of COVID because we really aren't allowed to socialize. You know, like we can't have meals together. We they have our locker room split up. Uh, you know, obviously we aren't allowed to be around each other much, but uh, it really just boils down. We have a competitive group of guys that, um, you know, even when our backs against the wall, if we're down um, for playing on the road, playing a tough opponent, um, it's fun to see, you know, the group come together and um, it's the, the guys that you want to compete with um, that they aren't going to back down or fold under pressure. So, uh, like I said, it's been a lot of fun for us in the court, and I think um, it's been fun for the fans to watch as well. So I'm glad that we're we're finally allowing fans back to the Spectrum Center because it's been fun to to kind of uh, you know get our home court advantage back. So yeah, it's been great. So I'm, we're not going to keep you too long. We know you're on the way to the the airport here, but at the end of every show, uh, we ask our guests to make a bold Hornets prediction for the rest of the season. I know this might be getting a little too close to home for you, but do you have a bold Hornets prediction to end the year? Oh, wow. How, how bold? How bold should we go? Uh, well, you you bold can go as, as bold as you'd like. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think that we can get the uh, – I don't know how bold this is. I, th- I still think that we can get uh, – the, the goal is to obviously make the playoffs, but I, I think that we can avoid the play-in game, which would get us to the sixth seed. I don't think that's – that might be that might not be too bold for you guys because I think that's uh, very very attainable for us. So uh, especially getting to that sixth seed would be good just to avoid the playing game. Yeah, that, that I mean that definitely counts for both ways because but with how you guys have played so far, that's certainly attainable. But I mean it's always tough to just win games on a nightly basis in the NBA. So uh, that yeah. well, that's definitely a good one. I, that would make us more than happy for the sixth seed. I, that would be a great, great to watch for the rest of the year. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. I mean, well, that's that's everything from from us, Cody. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Um, kind of a little thing. I think the sock drive is running until late April, and what we're going to do on this show is have a couple of sock drive ad reads for the next couple of weeks to try and help support and drum up some donations as well. So we're going to try and jump on this. We're going to get an article on and, and at the Hive, the SB Nation website um, to, to, to kind of try and pitch it. So we're going to try We're going to try and help you with this, Cody. So we're going to do our best, all right? I appreciate it. And the, and the 20 pounds you're going to donate, I'm, I'm going to have to tell all my teammates so they got to come on your podcast. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it. It'll be there. I'll, I'll send it some way. <laughs> all right, I appreciate it. All right, thanks for coming on, Cody. All right, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Cheers, bye. Yeah, thanks, man.